And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. Angela Rockwood's life was practically perfect up until one week before 9-11 on September 3rd, 2001. As a result of a car accident, Angela suffered a broken neck and severed spinal cord. As a result, she was diagnosed as a C4 quadriplegic. Positive and determined, Angela began the road to recovery. Today, she is an international model, actress, producer, and so much more. Truly, Angela is an artist of adaptation who continues to inspire the world with the boundaries she pushes and the barriers she breaks. Thank you so much, Angela Rockwood, for joining me here this time, this space to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ali, for having me. And this is a blessing. You have no idea how much it's a blessing to me. And to be on the cover and to share my stories every day. So thank you. Well, uh, you are very welcome. Thank you for taking your time because the story that you have to share is is pretty powerful. Let's begin with your story with, with this. You know, of, of German and Thai descent, you were born in Clovis, New Mexico. You grew up in the Philippines, in Spain, in Guam as the daughter of a military man before getting into modeling at the age of 17 being born of multiple ethnicities and living in different cultures. Angela, the term diverse, it was not only who you were, but it was what you experienced as well. What was the best and the worst part of your upbringing being who you were and where you were living? The most beautiful blessing that I can say about my upbringing and the diverse cultures like you were sharing is that I was able to experience all of the different cultures to immerse in the food, the, um, oh my God, the food was amazing. And the people, the environment, and just the beauty of it all from living in the Philippines to Madrid, Spain, and being able to travel in all those areas. Um, the downfall is for me, um, I was always that person that admired other kids who grew up in one specific place and knew everybody and grew up with those people. For me, because we traveled to so many different places, I didn't get to stay in one area. And I went to like three different high schools. And I remember telling my father, can I graduate here? Like, can I make my friends and just settle and, and put my roots into the ground? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we would be lifted back up again and traveling to the next destination and so that was a bummer for me but i believe with that with that upbringing what it uh, what it gave me is that it allowed me to adapt to be a chameleon and to flow and to mold into the different cultures and the scenarios and the environments so i think as an adult now that's a tool that i was able to to have as a child that i can have now so if anything pops up, whether it's dealing with different individuals or being in a scenario, I I can just mold right into it. Nice. 
So uh, quite a, a, a rich learning, uh, just, you know, as you're growing up along the way. Um, you know, let, let's go to age 22. You moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles to finish art school and work with Michelle Bobat and Bijan. In LA, you turned down a job as a composite sketch artist for the LAPD to accept a modeling job for Bisu Bisu. As opposed to using a canvas, you chose to be a canvas. So my question for you here is what inspired that decision? Oh, well, first of all, being a composite sketch artist for the LAPD would have been a fun job, but being an empath and a person that just takes on people's energy, I don't think it would have been positive for me, but the backstory of it, of it all is I actually was mugged and I sketched the person's picture up and they actually busted the individual. So when the LAPD came to me to offer that job to me, I took it as a sign that I wasn't doing my calling and that I needed to go back out into the world and do what it is that I needed to do. And I did leave home at 17 to pursue the modeling, to go out into the industry, to make a name for myself, to represent. And so, Right then and there, I was like, I, I got to be doing it. And so that's when I dived back into it and I started getting back into the industry. Wow. Um, well, you know, so so let's go then to another time in your life. On September 3rd, 2001, your life changed forever on that day. Will you please share the story, Angela, of what happened that day while you were driving on California's Interstate 5 highway between San Francisco and LA? Oh my gosh, yes. So me and my two bridesmaids, um, most of you will know her as the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the Yellow Ranger, Tweet Train. Um, may she rest in peace. So we were in San Francisco planning my wedding, meeting with my maid of honor, and it was Labor Day weekend, and we were heading back to Los Angeles. And my girlfriend, Twee, she called shotgun. So I was like, all right, I'm 5'9". I decided to sit in the back seat. And on the way back to LA, uh, we stopped once for gas and once for snacks. Now, you know that little voice that like talks to you in your head, um, whether it's your angel, your guides, whatever you want to label it as, or your intuition or higher self. That little voice was talking to me. So I knew each time getting back into the car, I deliberately put my seatbelt on. And three hours into the drive, I was sleeping and I woke up and my two girlfriends were chatting it up and the story was juicy. So like any woman, I unfastened my seatbelt so I can get into the center and start talking the juiciness. And right at that moment, that's when the car started to drift as we were going around this mountain. And there was like loose gravel. We went into the little she tried to correct the car, she overcorrected, and the car proceeded to fishtail. So I jumped back into my seat. I didn't put my seatbelt on. I put my head down and immediately went into prayer, praying for my life. The moment the car hit the back of the mountain, the impact pushed me forward. The top of my head hit the back of the seat and it shattered my C4, C5 vertebrae to smithereens, severed my cord instantly, and I was paralyzed. When the car flipped four or five times, I was catapulted out of the little triangle window, not the rectangle, 
I flew like the angelic goddess I am, landed on the left side of my head, bled to death, saw the white light, came back. When I woke up in that hospital, I remember I was laying there, I opened my eyes and I looked up at that ceiling and it was like deja vu. It was so familiar and I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't move anything from the neck down. And the first thought was, oh my God, I'm alive. I survived it. My prayers are answered. The second thought, I knew it was for a reason. When I was 17 years old, I had a horrific, I had a premonition that I was gonna be in a horrific car accident. I didn't know I was gonna be paralyzed, but I knew it was gonna be an accident. So instantly I knew this is it. This is the big bang I've been waiting for. And that little voice spoke to me. It told me that everything was gonna be okay. Now, mind you, this is like one week before 9-11. I'm on morphine, I'm watching the TV. I thought I died and went to purgatory, okay? And I'm just like, oh my God, what is going on? And this vision just flashed before me. This voice is telling me about all that I'm going to do with my life from that point on. So my father, I had him sit by my bedside and he wrote word for word my vision. And I can tell you I'm living it till this day. The doctor told my father and my ex-husband that I had three to 5% chance of moving or feeling anything. I didn't care because I was alive. I picked up my life. I focused on that vision. I pushed forward and I never looked back. So I just, I can't, I can't imagine that moment going from full mobility to no mobility, just in the matter of moments. What was the hardest part for you, Angela, of adapting to a new version of yourself? Oh my gosh, Allie. So, you know, I was an adrenaline junkie. I was a martial artist. I raced motorcycle. You know, I was an athlete, everything. But the one thing that I was before my accident was, I was this woman that would run around doing five to six things at once. I had way too much pride to ask you for help. Um, I'm like, why would I tell you to do it when I could do it faster, better, quicker? And um, so I remember I was laying there and I looked up and I just started laughing. And I was like, you have a sense of humor, like you, meaning God, God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you want to believe in, whatever you want to lay for a higher power. I knew, I knew right there, I was like, you're going to make me learn this lesson. You're going to make me learn to throw my pride aside and to ask for help. So here I was, I was paralyzed from the neck down. I couldn't even lift my arm up to ask or to get a drink of water. I had to ask someone to give me a drink of water. And so you learn humility very quickly. And so that's it, like, that's just my life. I have to ask for people for help now. And with that, it allows me to be the person that I am to basically just manifest or do whatever it is I need. Cause now it's like, I'm a one woman army of angels of just people helping me in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. It makes, no, it makes yeah. perfect sense. And, um... Yeah, and I can, I can imagine that too, how difficult it would be just to all of a sudden need to ask for help always when it was something that you never wanted or needed to do. And then all of a sudden to be this 180. Um, 
you know, and so you as, as a model, actress, host, and producer, you were not about to let paralysis stand in your way, rendered a quadriplegic doctors, again, to your point, three to 5% chance of regaining motor skills below your neck. So the physical therapy, it helped, but what also helped was the stem cell therapy that you underwent. So I would love to hear more about the extra mile that you went for stem cell surgery in Portugal. Please tell us that story. So I was the, the third American, the 11th patient to Dr. Carlos Lima, may he rest in peace. And I did leave the country. I went to Lisbon, Portugal. At the time, Bush was running the country and he didn't allow stem cell surgery in the country. And I didn't use cells from aborted fetus. I used my own cells. So what the doctors learn is that there's the um, there's an there's an area, peripheral area, between the nasal and the brain that comprised of like olfactory cells, Schwann cells, just all these different cells. Like basically, just think these neutral cells. So when you have an injury or damaged area in your body, your brain knows to tell those cells to go to that specific area and to repair itself. So for some crazy reason, it can't go into the spinal cord. So the doctors thought, okay, well, why don't we go up, take those cells out and then plant them. So it was a six and a half hour surgery I was under. They went up my nasal, they took out the cells, they flipped me over, opened me up, went to my area of injury, cleaned up all the keloided scar tissue and planted the cells. And it's not like you're going to wake up and it's the magic bullet of I'm going to walk again. But um, what they do promise is that you're not going to lose anything that you already have. And if you do gain anything, it's within seven months to a year. So I remember it was about the seven and a half, eight month mark. And I was laying on my couch in my living room. My nurse was catheterizing me. And all of a sudden, I felt this urge to go to the bathroom, to pee, to urinate. And I was like, oh my God, it's the same feeling when, you're, when your stomach's full. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, I feel like I want to like push the urine out. So I went ahead and I pushed and my nurse freaked out like, oh my God, and I stopped. She's like, no, 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 what did you just do? So I did it again and I stopped, I did it again. Just like, oh my God. And so I was basically like using my Kegel muscles to like, make the stream of urine go back and forth. I know this is TMI, but this is like so huge because when you're not feeling anything from being full to going to the bathroom and now you're feeling, it's a huge thing. And so with the stem cell surgery, I gained strength back. Remember, I was paralyzed from the neck down. I couldn't move or feel anything. So now I was able to feel all of my upper body like normal with my arms and my chest, my breast, the right side of my stomach, inside the vagina, my bottom of my buttocks, the right leg, my right big toe. And if you squeeze my legs firmly, I can feel them. And um, it's everything because now it's like, I don't have to rely on someone to feed me. I can actually feed myself. I may not have the dexterity, but I can intertwine and I just adapt. I adapt in the best way I can. And at least I have some movement from the stem cell surgery. And so, wow, how how amazing. Just what a gift then to be able to, to regain that. And, you know, to your point also that it's 
um, you know, not just regaining like sensations, but just that control, right? Um, it's huge. Yeah, I just, I just can't. Wow. Um, you know, so in addition to all you were before, you are now. Now you represent the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. You serve as a board member for Global Mobility. You are a speaker, manifestation, life coach, disability advocate, innovator, entrepreneur. Let me take a breath. Known for your roles in the television series VIP and your amazing reality TV series Push Girls. I'm not sure when you do you sleep? Do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> no, I sleep. I sleep like three to four hours, maybe four to five if I'm lucky. Okay, so in the, in those few hours of sleep, should you dream? What do you dream of? What is what is the what's next with all the success that you have had in life, despite these setbacks? What is your next win that you want? Oh, Ali, my dream, I'm, I'm always dreaming. I'm a dreamer. I'm a Pisces. So, but I'm a manifester. So whatever I dream, if I see it within my mind, I manifest it. And I'm putting myself back out there in the industry as a 47 year old Asian American woman sitting in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the neck down to show the world that beauty comes in all shapes, sizes, colors, every age and in every vessel. And I'm getting back into the modeling world to really make an impact. And as for the fans out there that still continue to this day, ask about Push Girls. I'm not going to create a third season of Push Girls, but it'll be similar to Push Girls. And I want to continue just giving back the way I have been, but just on a whole other level and just giving it my all and just not giving up whatsoever just fully committing and just allowing it to flow to the ultimate yeah well, that sounds like there's a, very a lot good dream. there's a lot <laughs> on my plate that i can't fully share but just know that i've been hibernating for a good three years and the passion the fire that's inside of me is just burning and I'm just ready. I'm like at the gate, just ready to like, just take off. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, that's a beautiful place to be. Uh, you know, so as an adaptive fashion model, you have rocked the runway at LA Fashion Week. You've made magic happen on the World Poker Tour as a member of the Royal Flush Crew. What does it mean to you to be this international icon what, what does that mean to you personally? Oh my goddess, when you say that, okay, icon is a huge word. That's like, that's ginormous. International, I mean, humbly, I could say, yeah, with Push Girls, we made it to France, we were in Germany, and we were seen all over the world. But what does it mean to be an international icon? I feel that I just scratched the surface. I feel that where I want to be, I'm not there yet. And I'm just getting started. And I moved here to the East Coast. So I want to take over the East Coast. I did the West Coast. I'm, I'm bi-coastal right now. But soon I'll be going to Thailand. So when you say international icon, I'm just getting started, babe. Yeah. Awesome. 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 
well, you know, so right now, let's take a look at where we're at at this moment. We 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 see your vision. What what's next? Um, but where we're at right now, specifically the season of giving, I want to share a quote, one of my favorite quotes, your quote, that goes like this, life is a gift, and what we do with our life is our gift back to the world, to others, and to ourselves. Angela, with the gift of yourself and your life, what are you most proud to give? I am extremely humbly, gratefully proud to give my essence, who I am within my vessel. I am here to serve the good of mankind because like you said, life is a gift. I've been given not a second, not a third, but I've died like five different times. I've crossed over twice. So the fact that I'm still living, still breathing, I still have my calling and I've gone through so much in my life, so much um, from being molested to rape, to domestic violence, from emotional to physical abuse, to paralysis, you name it, I've probably been through it. And I'm still that phoenix rising through that fire. And if it's meeting you on the street or speaking at an engagement, or being on a TV show, or being your life coach, however way that I can facilitate my essence and give back to you, that's my gift to you. And I, I, I wake up every day to live for others. That's who I am. That is, that is my vessel, that is my essence. And so that is my gift to the world. So beautiful. I love how you say to share everything you've been through with those who are perhaps there going through something of their own. And um, that's beautiful. You know, and I feel like in addition to being this beautiful, phenomenal vessel that you are, you, Angela, are an artist. You're an artist of adaptation. You're beautiful inside and out. You have this light about you that can't be hidden behind mobility or limited dexterity, you have a way of illuminating your truth, radiating your presence before all who see you and for those who I've talked to who know you, to all who know you. For those who feel very much in the dark, what advice do you have for finding the light within themselves? My biggest advice for an individual going through the darkest of darkness, um, mentally, if you understand that we are here, we're all spiritual beings, giving the, given this life, this actual gift to be living here and to, to experience and to, to learn, to grow, to evolve. If we are actually here to become the best versions of ourselves then understand that what if we chose these lessons? So the lessons that you're going through or whatever it is you're going through, it's not permanent, it's only temporary. And you can get through anything. As cliche as that sounds, you can push through everything. So for me, when I'm in my darkest of darkness or in the depths of the, oh, there are times, 
I always know within myself that I'm going to get through it. And I know that as long as I stay balanced from within and I have my peace of mind and I understand that this is just going to make me stronger. And it's all about patience. You definitely have to have the patience, but you visualize this pendulum just swinging. And I always say that if the pendulum swings so far into the negative, when that pendulum swings back into the light, it's gonna be so powerful and so profound. And no matter how deep in the hole that you are, when you come out of that hole, your light is gonna be so bright, so beyond this world, that you're gonna be able to emanate and shatter anything that gets in your way. You're gonna be invincible and a force of nature that's unstoppable. That whenever anything else comes on your path, you know you're gonna get through it because you've been through so much crap, so much shiza, as I would say. And my advice to anyone is just, just stay balanced, stay patient and understand that you will get through it. And, and you, I like to say we chose it. You, you chose that. You chose that for your soul. It's a gift for your soul to learn, to grow, to evolve. Mm -hmm. So grasp it, embrace it, go through it, learn, and just get ready because you're going to be phenomenally powerful and unstoppable. Well, if that doesn't give anyone goosebumps, I don't know <laughs> what would. Because... <laughs> I cannot thank you enough, Angela, for sharing your story, for sharing all of the details that you have, your hope, your love, your light. Thank you for helping all of us become a bit more aware now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.